Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us how God made a way for Adam and Eve by His mercy and the shedding of blood. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. Let's begin in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you so much for being our instructing Father. Thank you, Lord, for being our God who guides us in this life all the way through death into glory. And you guide us by your eye. So this morning, Lord, as we open up your word, we pray that the eye of God would guide us into all truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you turn in your Bible here to Genesis 4 and uh, follow along and start at verse 8. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field, and Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's bloods crieth unto me from the ground, and now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tellest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid, and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth. And it shall come to pass that every one that findeth me shall slay me. And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon him, lest any finding him should kill him. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. And Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Enoch. And he built a city and called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. And unto Enoch was born Ered. And Ered begat Mahujiel. And Mahujiel begat Methusiel. And Methusiel begat Lamech. And Lamech took unto him two wives. The name of the one was Ada, the name of the Azilla. And Ada bare Jabal. He was the father of such as dwell in tents and of such as have cattle. And his brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all such as handle the harp and organ. And Zillah, she also bare Tubal-Cain, an instructor of every artificer in brass and in iron. And the sister of Tubal-Cain was Naama. And Lamech said unto his wives, Ada and Zillah, Hear my voice, ye wives of Lamech. Hearken unto my speech, for I have slain a man to my wounding and a young man to my hurt. If Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, truly Lamech shall seventy and sevenfold. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bare a son, called his name Seth. For God, said she, hath appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. And to Seth, to him also, there was born a son, and he called his name Enos. And then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. All right, now come into this area here and also the next chapter, chapter 5, and the guide verse that helps us as we move our way through these two chapters is back in Genesis 3.15. I will put enmity, God said, between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. That's a very important guide verse for us. Good one to memorize also. Because what we've learned so far from this verse and what we've seen in the history of the first family and what we will see as this chapter and the next chapter just opens up to us in the beginning of the history of man from this verse is that there are two truths. Two truths that are here. Now, first truth, there are two seeds. 
two seeds. One is called the seed of the serpent. Now, here, I just want you to picture if we had a line just down here, down the middle of this aisleway right now, and there's the way to see the two seeds. And picture this, that over on this side of the line, that's God. That's where God is. And on this side, that's the devil. That's rebellion against God. So man starts out on the side over here before the fall. He's in obedience to God. And on God's side over here, man says something like this. I'm with God. I obey God. I do the works of my father. Therefore, I am the seed of God. Okay, you got it? He says, I am with God, I obey God, and I do the works of my Father, therefore I am the seed of my Father God, okay? But in Genesis 3, we got the fall of man. So what happened to the fall of man? The serpent succeeded in causing man, who's over here, to cross over that line. And when he crossed over that line, he stepped over the line, And when he stepped over the line, he stepped onto the devil's side. And now man says, I'm not with God. I disobey God. I'm in rebellion against God. I do the works of my new father, the devil. Therefore, I'm the seed of the devil. See? Now, that's the state of fallen man. Every man that's born into the world is now on this side. Because our first parents stepped over the line, right? So they were here, and the devil got them, and they agreed, and they stepped over the line. And now they're in this new seed over there on the devil's side. So over here, they lost generation. They're unregenerate. Over here, they became disobedient. They became a rebel against God, and they're just lost. That's the way you describe them, lost. And we call this the seed of of the unregenerate. We call this the seed of the lost over on this side. We call them the sons and daughters of the devil, right over here, the seed of the devil. That's the first seed referred to in Genesis 3.15, the seed of the devil. But what we saw in Genesis 3, that as soon as, as soon as Adam and Eve stepped over the line, okay, as soon as they did that, what happened was and this was the wonderful thing, is that God made a way. That's good news. That's great news. You know that, do you know that song, the little kids, you know, good news, good good news, sing it with me. Good news, good news, Christ died for me. Good news, good news, I'm saved eternally. Good news, good news, if I believe. That's wonderful, extra you know that part? That's good news. God made a way. God made a way for Adam and Eve to step back over the line. That's what he did in Genesis 3. He made a way to step back over the line. He made a way for them to, in repentance, step back over the line. He made a way for them to fall on his mercy and be regenerated and be saved. That's what God did. And the way that he made was a way of sacrifice. It was a way of the shedding of blood. It involved the shedding of blood. It involved sacrifice. And we saw Adam and Eve take advantage of that way that God had made. And you remember that? When in repentance, they took off 
or are they allowed to have taken off? They're self-made aprons of fig leaves. And as it fell to the ground, they said, yeah, that was a stupid idea. Yeah, that really was a bad idea. As they put on God-made skins, and those skins came from sacrificed animals, and those sacrificed animals involved the shedding of blood. So when Adam and Eve stepped back over the line, then they became what is referred to in Genesis 3.15 as the seed of the woman, referring to Eve, because Eve stepped back over the line. Eve became regenerated. Eve became saved. And that's the seed of God. The seed of God is characterized by those who step back over the line, over to God's side. And so when they did that, back there, they can now say, Adam and Eve can say, we are again back with God. We now obey God. We do the works of the Father. Therefore, we are the seed of God. Okay? And those who are the seed of God are characterized by their decision. By their decision because it was up to them. Are you going to step back over the line? Will you do that? That's how they're characterized, by that decision. They have repented and they have decided to take advantage of the way God made through the sacrifice and the shedding of blood to step back over. That's exactly what a person does today who comes to the Lord Jesus Christ. He repents of his sin and he crosses over the line to God in repentance, and he comes the way of the sacrifice. He comes the way of the shedding of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's God's way. But he must make that decision. And he's characterized by that decision. He must. You know, there was an interesting thing that happened. There was a three-story apartment building back east caught on fire. And there were balconies on the third floor. And smoke was just billowing out of these balconies up there on the third floor. So four firemen had assembled down below and they put together the ring and the net in the middle of the ring. They were trained for this. They had rehearsed this. They had done it before. They were confident in what they were doing. And all of a sudden a woman appears on one of the balconies and she's screaming. And, and she, there's fire and there's smoke behind her. And she's screaming and she's screaming. And the firemen are yelling from the street, trying to persuade her to jump, jump. And they were trying to give her assurance it would be okay if she jumped. And she hesitated up there. And the smoke kept coming out and the fire behind her. And then all of a sudden she screamed and jumped into the air. The firemen braced themselves, each one of them, and they caught her in the net. She rolled off the net, didn't even have a scratch. Now here's the question. What saved the woman? Was it the firemen below? Was it the net that they had there? Well, was it the firemen below the net that were persuading her and assuring her it's okay jump? Or was it the woman that decided, well, if you think about it this way, if you just put it this way, just, just look and say, well, if there was no net, <laughs> she wouldn't have been saved, right? And if there were no firemen there to hold the net and to persuade her, also, who knows whether she would have jumped, but especially if she had not decided to jump, if she stayed up there on that balcony and got burned up because she decided not to jump, it was definitely her decision, wasn't it? Now, think of the net as God 
and his promise in the word of God to save. Of whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Think of us as the firemen. We're the firemen. And we're yelling up and persuading and assuring. It's okay to put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. But in the final analysis, each person like that woman has to make the decision. Because without that, there's no salvation. And that's what characterizes this seed of God. This seed of God is characterized by those who made the decision to repent, to come God's way back over to his side. Now that's the first truth, that there are two seeds, and there you go. So to sum it up, it's all about everyone is born on the devil's side, sinful, rebellious against God, we're disobedient to God. We naturally do not do the works of our Father. To the contrary, we naturally do the works of the devil, Well, so he is our father, so naturally we are the seed of the devil. But God made a way for us to cross over the line. It's a way of repentance, but it's a way of sacrifice, a way of the shedding of blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Cain knew that way. Cain knew what God's way was because he had Adam and Eve for his parents. And he was the firstborn. He was taught. And Adam and Eve told him about the coats of skin and the blood and the sacrifice that it took to make that. And you know what Cain did, and this is the interesting part about those that remain on the devil's side, is that Cain just said to God, no thank you. That's what Cain said in essence. You can keep your sacrifice, you can keep your shedding of blood, you can keep your slaughterhouse religion, because I don't need it. I'm just fine, he says. In fact, I don't want to repent. I don't want to cross over the line. I'm just fine the way I am. Leave me alone. It's good for you. It's good for me. In fact, I'm just busting at the seams. And this is what we're going to see here about Cain. I'm busting at the seams to get out of this prison of religion and make a name for myself. I got a wife to marry, I got children to birth, I got inventions to create, I got cities to build, and just let me go. I got a name to make for myself. That's Cain. That's the seed of the devil. Tom, today you use the phrase for Cain where Cain might have said, I got a name to make for myself. That was interesting. Now, can you elaborate more on what The Bible might have to say about that phrase, I got a name to make for myself. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because although Cain didn't actually say those those words, it reflects the spirit. And those words were actually said, in essence, by those who were building the Tower of Babel, where it says in Genesis 11, 4, and they said, go to, let us make us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven and let us make a name lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. So this phrase, I got a name to make for myself, you do see it here in the Bible in Genesis 11, and it is a phrase which Cain might very well have said. What does it really say? I got a name to make for myself. It says, I got to make. I'm going to give my efforts. I'm going to pour myself into making a name. For whose benefit? For myself. This is going to be my name. I'm going to exalt my name. I'm going to make it a great name. I'm going to make people say, oh, you're great. Now, the Bible says that to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, we have to burn that. 
We have to burn that desire out of us. We have to say no to that desire because we, by contrast, hear him when he says in Luke 9.23, and he said to them all, if any man will come after him, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. By the way, when it says the word daily in there, it's telling you how often he has to deny himself. What does it mean to deny himself? It means to deny this desire of, I got a name to make for myself. God says, the Lord Jesus Christ, you deny that. You you have to deny that daily because daily the temptation is going to be coming to us where it's going to say, oh, look, you're a nobody. You're nothing. The devil will say to us, you got to make a name for yourself. And God says, says, daily deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow you. You think of a person who's carrying a cross. What kind of a name does a person have for himself who's carrying a cross? Not much. Not much at all. A person who is on his way to the gallows, a person who is on his way to be tortured to death, that's the name that he has for himself, a person who's taken up his cross daily. That's not much of a name. He hasn't made a name for himself at all, a person who's taking up his cross. And when it says that he has to deny himself, and take up his cross daily. That means that he has to use his will. He would decide daily that he's going to, on his own, pick up that cross, so to speak, and carry it on his own. Say no to the desire. I got a name to make for myself. And what do we do instead? That's an actually, it's very much what is said by King David in Psalm 115.1, where he's saying, he almost could just, David could have said the same words, denying himself, taking up his cross when he says instead, not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name. Give glory for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. In other words, David is saying, the choice between me, I'm making a name for myself. No, David says, not unto us, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory. It's not about my name. It's about your name, Lord Jesus. That's why he said other place in Psalm 34, 3, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Oh, let us exalt his name together. There are those who have the same desire to suppress the feeling of I got a name to make for myself and who want to, instead of that, versus that, to magnify the Lord Jesus Christ. And David says, come, let us be in assembly. Come, let us be a church. Come, let us be, have as our goal, magnifying the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Not magnifying a pastor, not magnifying a Christian leader, but magnifying the Lord Jesus Christ. And David says, if you were of that persuasion, if you have that desire, then come with me. Be together with me. Come with me and let us magnify the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us exalt and bring up his name together. You know, those who have this desire when they're in a church and when the Lord Jesus Christ is spoken of with such admiration, when the Lord Jesus Christ is spoken of with, in terms of his beauty, in terms of his loveliness, then those who want to also magnify the Lord Jesus Christ and exalt his name together, they smile. They smile and they say, yes. 
This is the day that the Lord has made. We'll rejoice. We'll be glad in it. And it's a day to magnify the Lord. It's a day to exalt his name together. Why? What benefit? If we don't make a name for ourselves, will we be destroyed? Will we have no protection? Will we have no success? Will people really Uh, Do we have to be like Haman and force everybody to stand up and to give us homage when we walk by? No, 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 David says, or actually King Solomon says his son. No, no, no. Proverbs says in Proverbs 18.10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. The name of the Lord, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. Have you ever been in trouble? Have you ever been in a time when you have felt desperate, when you have felt like you don't know what to do? Maybe you're under attack. Call on the name of the Lord. Call out to him and say, Lord Jesus, help me. Lord Jesus Christ, my eyes are to you. Protect me. Save me, Lord Jesus. Use that name. Why? Because Solomon says, I'm telling you. Solomon says, I'm advising you. Solomon says, I'm ordering you. Use the name of the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, as a strong tower. Run into it, and you'll find yourself safe. You'll find yourself like those who went to get him. And when he said, in the Garden of Eden, when the Lord Jesus Christ said, I am, and that's also his name, they fell back. And that was a picture for us of how the name of the Lord is a strong tower, and it offers such safety. In 1 Samuel 17, 45, it says there, talking about when David was was going to kill Goliath, and his last words to Goliath were this, then said David to the Philistine, and think about this, this was the last words that he heard in his ears before he met death at the hand of the smooth stone, from the hand that David threw the smooth stone from. Then said David to the Philistine, thou comest to me with a sword and a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee. In the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. You see what David was saying there? David was saying, okay, what have you got for your offense and your defense? I see a sword, and I see a spear, and I see a shield. I see a sword for defense, uh, offense. I see a spear for offense, and I see a shield for defense. Now he says, now let me tell you what I'm coming to you with. My offense, my defense is in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied, by the way. He's coming to him and he's saying, it's the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the God of the armies of Israel. He is my shield. And by the way, when you look at the Jewish star of David, the Mogan David, the star of David, do you know where that came from? That was found on a shield, actually. It was in Solomon's armory, but we can well believe that it was David used it as well. It was a shield. The star of David was on a shield. And so what we know know that was used at that time on the shield. What David is saying here is that, look, my shield is the name of the Lord of hosts. In other words, the shield for the believer of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Mogan David, the star of David, is the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Mogan David. He is the shield of David. He is the star of David. And he said, that's who I'm coming to you in the name, he said that the Philistine to Goliath, I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. 
and it's a wonderful name with the Lord Jesus Christ. But, you know, you also said one other interesting phrase that caught my attention today, and that was when Adam and Eve might have just said, I'm crossing over the line. Now, can you elaborate on that with some more Bible principles for us to understand better? Yes, because that's what they did. When they sinned, they went over the line the wrong way. When they returned to God, they crossed over the line. When Saul, when he said to the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, what will thou have me to do? He crossed over the line. When Zacchaeus said to the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I've taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold, he crossed over the line. When we make our decision, our personal decision, to come to the Lord Jesus Christ, to be saved by him from our sins, we cross over the line. We cross over the line from sin to his righteousness, from a world of death to his world of life. And that's what it means from a biblical point of view to cross over the line, to take our step from ourself to the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us today. Now, our new February resource of the month is a DVD presentation by Tom Cantor. It's called, What is a Jew by Choice Versus a Jew by Birth? Now, Tom Cantor of Israel Restoration Ministries passionately teaches in this DVD about the history of choices Jewish people have made and that what we as Gentiles make today by being grafted in. This is an incredible teaching that ties in the Old Testament with the New Testament, a must-have for any Christian and a great gift to give to any Jewish person that's searching for the truth of the Messiah. Tom Cantor isn't just a great radio teacher. He's a great visually animated preacher in this unique DVD presentation. So for your copy of What is a Jew by Choice versus a Jew by Birth, call us today, 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. Thanks for listening.